Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. <laughs> all right. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Well, of course, there's a lot to get to today. Um, did Beto O'Rourke just try to interrupt our show? Did that just happen? That guy right. tries to interrupt everything. He's a disgrace. I think he did, yeah. He tried to take over the automation system, and he doesn't know how any of it works. Oh, gee, that, that never stopped him before. <laughs> right. I mean, this this guy is one of the most loathsome human beings he in is. politics. He really is. He's a is. terrible person. He's a terrible person. So, you know, Uvalde, Texas, man. I don't know. You know, everybody processes things different, and I'm not ever going to pretend I'm part of this or anything. I'm just thinking about the parents involved and just can't imagine it. And then I've heard stories of different interviews that have been done with parents that lost kids at Sandy Hook um, and what it was like for the first year and then five years later. And then every time they hear about a school shooting and how they have to relive it again and you know, I heard this gentleman talking about the last moments with his son. Oh. And the last thing his son said to him as he walked around the corner of the school. And how that's just sort of etched. And by the way, it was, love you, Dad. Gosh, dude. Um, and it's a guy that, I mean, it, it, depending on where you're at with gun laws, he says, listen, I don't think the Second Amendment should be done away with. You know, it's not that. I mean, there's things we we can do, but certainly not get rid of the Second Amendment. But as far as making schools safer all the way around, mm-hmm. it seems like something we should spend money on. Uh, but not to get too far away from his message and, and others that have gone through something like this. It's something that most of us will never understand. And it's unfortunate that some of these people don't have the space even to grieve because you have media all over Uvalde. And I think there are some people that are good-natured enough to really want to give people space that need it. And there are other, quote, journalists or news organizations that don't care anything about that, that are just there for the story. And, you know, basically to get some sort of advantage for themselves or their network. Yeah, That's disgusting to me. And then you have a guy like Beto O'Rourke that comes in that's been on both sides of the gun issue. First, he's like, hell yes, I'm taking your AR-15s. And then he comes out as he's running for governor of Texas to say, I'm not here to take anything from anybody. I want to uphold the Second Amendment. But then picks this moment to interrupt this press conference in Uvalde. I'm trying to think of anything more disgusting than that. Shameful, insensitive, embarrassing. Yeah, to mind. As a politician. Mm-hmm. You've got the governor there, the lieutenant governor there. You've got uh, local law enforcement, local leaders, state law enforcement, all there giving updates on uh, what resources families have available to them. Uh, you've got information on exactly what happened, a timeline laying out there, an update to the community, and, in fact, the entire country. And this jack wagon decides he's going to make it all about himself by heckling the governor. 
who he's running oh, against. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. I'm sure you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch. would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Well, he is. Yeah. That should have ended his political career right there. Yes, it should have. Game over. I think it's already over, to be honest. But there were plenty in the Democratic Party that were applauding Beto for that. Oh, and in the media. Oh, so uh. so if you're a Republican, you're in fa- I actually heard people with this take, generally speaking. So you're in favor of a gunman murdering 19 children and two adults at that school. But you're not in favor of having a tough conversation. Who said that? Who said that? No one wants to have the tough conversation. That's just it. Beto's not there for a tough conversation. No. We can talk about guns. We can talk about 18-year-olds buying guns if you want to. You can talk about long guns. You can talk about automatic, semi-automatic. You can talk about all of it. You can talk about mental health. Whoa, I don't want to talk about that. No, let's talk about all of it. Let's talk about making the schools safer. How did he get through the door like that, the shooter there in Uvalde? There's all those conversations. To me, I I mean, I said this before. Sorry if it's, you know, banging the drum again. Isn't that the first thing you look at in a situation like this? I mean, if the left got their wish and stopped manufacturing guns tomorrow and stopped selling them, which is not going to happen. But let's say it did. Do you think all these are over? You think? People that are evil, like this guy, are not going to get a hold of a gun and go into a school if that's what they want to do? Isn't fortifying the schools, like, first on the list? Yeah. And if not, what's the better idea? I don't understand it. I I know I'm a common person. These are not my professions. I just don't understand that. Well, let's talk about the effects of the last two years and the isolation. There is the mental health part of it. Let's talk about it. Let's bring it out in the open. But that's not what the left wants to do. No, of they course don't not. want they to wanna... have conversations about this issue. It's just guns, and they want to do away with it. That's it. There's another part of this story that we started hearing more about yesterday, that there were cops outside the school that didn't go in, and that there were onlookers that were begging cops to go in the school yeah. during the shooting. What do you know about that, David? So as it stands, and there are kind of conflicting reports on the overall timeline, and that's that's not unusual because this thing just happened and everybody's trying to piece together from memory from whatever footage they may have of this attack. But as it stands, two officers approached the building on arrival. They were shot. More police showed up and then they waited outside for somewhere between 40 minutes and an hour while the murderer was locked in the room with kids. One witness at one point was actually trying to get other people or talking with other people about storming the building themselves. And I, I get the sense that that's, that's why that border patrol agent who was off duty wound up going in there kind of going rogue because no one was doing anything while this guy was picking off kids. Holy smokes, man. How does that happen? I don't know. I mean, there's, I, I, I remember seeing this audio or seeing this video of people yelling and I didn't really understand what was happening. But it was people outside of the school, mm-hmm. and apparently this is 
these onlookers saying, go in and do something, yelling at the cops. Like, what are you doing? And this is the audio right here? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And, I, and I'm Jeez. very confused by, by this reaction, and it's somewhat similar to what happened in Parkland. Uh, a few years ago, like that cop wouldn't go in that that cop. Yeah. In that case, the school resource officer wouldn't go in. Um, and then cops were waiting outside, setting up a perimeter. I, I've been I, I, I was fortunate enough to have access to a couple of police trainings where they actually went into schools and did a rehearsal about what would they do in the event of a school shooting. I remember you doing this and the training that I saw was nothing about waiting outside for anything. It was, you keep going in until that school is cleared. Now, again, I don't know all of the circumstances, none of us do, about what was going on in that exact moment, but the picture that we're getting right now is that they knew they had the shooter pinned in a room, and then they didn't engage. But ever since Columbine, the rule has been, you go in and you take out that gunman. You don't assume it's a hostage situation. You go take care of the problem. And they didn't do it. At least to our knowledge. We don't know the whole story, right. but that's what it appears to be. Wow. Jeez, that's tough. That's so hard to listen to. It man, really is. Man. Well, well, I don't want to bring up something, you know, as far as David's past that was bad, but part of that training you got to do, too, was be an acting police officer, not just a, in school, but like as pulling over someone. Yeah, that was a different training exercise, yeah. Do you want to talk about how you choked during that, or should we just move I didn't on? choke. I, I, I couldn't understand the person as they were getting out of the car because I had this headgear on. Yes. And they were saying, you can hear it clearly in the video, help me, help me, help me, but I drew my service weapon. But I didn't choke because I didn't shoot. Okay, never. I drew on the guy, but I didn't shoot. Get on the ground! Get on the ground! <laughs> I thought you actually shot. No, I didn't. See how you could just... Honestly, I honestly thought you did. And it wasn't real bullets anyway, obviously. It was straining exercise. But that's how your memory can get flogged yeah. over time. I thought you did. Matter of fact, I think you might be changing your story right now. I'm not. There's video. I'm, oh, I, I'm, I believe you. Well, believe there was you. the other one where it was like you had to turn around in a dark room and you had five guys approaching you. One of them has a gun. Didn't you plug somebody? I did. I got. I, I did get the guy with the gun who had the gun. Only I aimed a little bit low because I, I didn't. I didn't draw. That was it. Uh, correctly, and I shot him right in the. <clears throat> well, he won't procreate. Right so in the jump. That's a good thing. Yeah. Where he wasn't protected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then he asked me afterwards, "What kind of car do you drive?" <laughs> that was a police officer. <laughs> yeah. Who was part of that training exercise? My goodness, man. Um, okay. Are we going to get to the Biden clip here? Are we we yeah. can get to that coming up. Talking about a leader mm -hmm. at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And that woman who wrote How to Murder Your Husband was what, David? Oh, convicted in Portland. Nancy Brophy, 71, convicted by a Portland jury of second-degree murder in the shooting death of her husband, Daniel. This has been a big story for years because she wrote a yeah. few books and one of, or I'm sorry, this was an essay that was titled How to Murder Your Husband, has now been convicted for murdering her husband. 
Jeez. She never heard of OJ's If I Did It. Yeah, I was right. going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Jeez. So convicted. There you go. Yeah. Good update on that story. All right. Um, among other things that we got to get to with the Biden clip, <laughs> Biden's former boss, Barack Obama, had a tweet for the ages. I, if you haven't heard about this oh. linking the tragedy in Texas with George Floyd, it's really something. And much more coming up right here. Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, I hesitate. Joe Biden spoke again. Yeah. Well, well there was a tribute to uh, George Floyd. Yeah. We'll get to that a little bit later, but here he's talking about we need a leader. Yeah, well, he, he thinks he can solve gun violence by getting a permanent director of the ATF, and he explained why in a way that only he can. Okay. The federal agency that measures. What? But the federal agency that measures. The federal agency that measures and ensures that gun laws are enforced and the Second Amendment is advised by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, Explosives, AFT. Alcohol? Alcohol. Alcohol. That's what we called it when we played rec league softball. Yes, if we called it alcohol because <laughs> okay. it was. Because you're drunk. Yes. Yeah. I mean, every time you score, you pound a beer. It's just part of it. Has not had a Senate confirmation leader for seven years. Mm-hmm. The last guy you put up there was a nut who right. also said some very racist things in the past. That is true as well. Okay. The dude is senile. We don't really know if he knows where he is from day to day. Can't put thoughts together. And let's face it, was never a great guy to begin with. Okay, we're stuck with this for a while. I mean, it's just the way it is. I know. I mean, as sad as it is. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and... Yeah. I'm going to go drink alcohol after work today. I was going to say, I've been away from alcohol for, I think it's 15 years this year. It's uh, almost six for me. A buddy of mine recently said, you proved your point, man. Don't you need a beer? <laughs> I said, no. No, that's no good. I'm not going back there. Mm-hmm. Not doing it. Uh, but his old boss really had something yesterday, dude, with a tweet. It, it, unreal. You know, we talked about this yesterday because yesterday was also the two year anniversary of George Floyd being killed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, how many when when is the take going to come that? Oh, yeah. By the way, forget about those murdered kids because we got to talk about uh, about George Floyd. I was semi joking about that. Yeah. Because remember like, what I said? Yeah. I said, who said that? Yeah. And you're like, I was joking. Yeah. And I, I I completely did not see this coming, although you could argue that I should have. Uh, Barack Obama tweets out, as we grieve the children of Uvalde today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. Oh, His killing stays with us all to this day, especially those who loved him. Says a guy who has no emotional connection to anything he can't exploit. It's... Well, think about the words he just said there. Bad person. I I mean this. Think about the words he just said there. Can you say that first part again? As we're 
as going we, through this tragedy, as we grieve the children of Uvalde today, we should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd. Okay, <sighs> Barack, go into Texas and remind people that are grieving the loss of those kids. Hey, just so you know, I know you got the grieving going on, but you know what you should do? You should take time out to think of George Floyd. What's wrong with that guy? I mean, that's unbelievable. What's wrong with that? If you don't know what is wrong with that, you've really lost it. Jason Whitlock went off on that. Like, this guy, his take was he believes Obama's an intelligent guy, but has so far lost himself. And part of it, he would say, is social media. Because when you go out on social media, you're always thinking, how is this going to be perceived? You're trying to craft this image, and you put that statement out trying to say to part of your voting block, we haven't forgotten about George Floyd, even with this tragedy. But is that really the message you want to throw out there? These innocent children that were gunned down and compare it to, let's face it, a lifelong criminal that was on fentanyl and tried to pass a fake 20 and resisted arrest? I didn't want to see George Floyd die. No one that I know did. But to compare these innocent children to yeah. George Floyd, that's sickening. Children that were murdered by a madman. Now all of a sudden we get second fiddle to George Floyd on the anniversary of his death. St. George, who pointed a gun at a pregnant woman's belly mm-hmm. while they were robbing her house. Forced entry. You might want to read yeah, the medical. Un- freaking believable oh, man. Might want to read the medical examiner's report there, Big O. Jeez, disgusting. Okay. A lot more from Texas. And the Russia hoax, a story you gotta hear straight ahead. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer. David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer. Scott Robbins. Okay, uh, real quick. Texas Governor Greg Abbott. His message was what, David? Well, he spoke a little bit about the calls for more gun control after the school shooting in Uvalde, and I, I, I think he, I think he put some things into perspective, in, in a okay. good way. All right, man. I want to hear this. I know people like to try to oversimplify this, uh, let's talk about some real facts. And, and that is, there are, quote, real gun laws in Chicago. There are, quote, real gun laws in New York. There are real gun laws in California. I hate to say this, but there are more people who were shot every weekend in Chicago than there are in schools in Texas. And we need to realize that that people who think that, well, maybe we just implement tougher gun laws, it's going to solve it. Chicago and L.A. and New York disproved that thesis. Mm -hmm. So if you play it out on the, the other side, and let's say this was a good faith conversation, 
say, okay, but what about this kid that had certainly mental issues, just like the white supremacists that went into Buffalo and shot up the supermarket had mental issues? Why were they able to get the guns that they got? I think that would be a pushback from someone, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And to me, I don't know what your reaction to that is. It's like, you want to have that conversation, we can have the conversation. doesn't mean you're convinced, but you can have the conversation. I think what we talked about before, if, you know, you're 18, it's true. You can't get a drink. You're not supposed to. So should you be able to get an AR? Some people are like, hey, man, it's the Second Amendment. I understand, but I think that's a conversation that you can have. And certainly... If you're signing up for the military and you're going to put your life on the line for your country, then, yeah, you can absolutely go buy the gun of your choice. You've earned that. If you're some knucklehead playing Call of Duty that's lost his mind, eh, maybe not. Maybe you got to wait till you're 21. I don't know. Do you have an opinion on that, Scott? Well, you know, everything courses through, and I, I think, and it's been brought up before, and I think it, it bears repeating, and that is that this is a mental health issue that's plaguing this country right now that's part for of a it. lot of different reasons and yeah do you want to do you want to restrict people who are mentally ill from having a weapon yes that's a so, tough one so what's the best way to do that it's a great question and i don't sit here and go i've got the answer and here it is because i don't i mean who who gets to who gets to determine whether somebody's mentally ill or not that's the other question you know and again these are all difficult questions what do you think of the 21 thing, David? Um, well, the difference between buying alcohol or now buying cigarettes is that alcohol <laughs> That's right. Alcohol and cigarettes are not a constitutional right. 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 And so delaying a constitutional right after you're 18, um, yeah, there's a lot of pushback to that. Isn't that already My, in play with handguns? Yeah. That has to do with concealability. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think here's here's where I am on that particular conversation. If I thought for a second that Democrats were actually arguing in good faith and willing to negotiate in good faith, then I think you'd get a lot more people open to that idea. Yeah, you can't trust <laughs> where the other side's coming from, and that's yeah. one of the big issues and I, you know, when it comes to that. But that that's just on the gun issue. Yeah. But, but then if you say... Like you just brought up mental health, Scott, that's a conversation that I don't think the left really wants to talk about. And I know, I mean, there are a lot of other issues. To me, you look at the breakdown with this individual or so many of the others, you know, the loners, there's been a breakdown of family. Okay. Uh, Awful breakdown. Um, Would you say too much time online? Of course. Yeah. With a lot of these. Um does social media play into it? People can certainly make that argument. I would add lack of faith. That's been brought up. The left doesn't want to talk about that. No. And if you said, I suppose if you changed the wording and took God out of it and said lack of purpose, maybe okay. that's some common ground. Um, we all also have to get the drug cartels to agree that they're not going to sell any of their weapons they're dragging over the border to anyone that's not at least 21. <laughs> <laughs> there was something else I saw yesterday that I had not seen before. Um, 
And this was from Alex Berenson. Now, maybe you think Alex Berenson is brilliant. Maybe you think he's a kook. You know, I know people in both camps, especially when he fought against vaccinations. This is a guy that used to work at the New York Times, the failing New York Times. But, I mean, as far as being considered someone from the left, nah, that ship sailed for that guy. He was demonized. But before he did all the stuff about uh, COVID, uh, the overreaction to COVID and the vaccines, he had written a book about marijuana and how dangerous it really can be and that it's so underreported. And so he wrote this piece I saw. And again, I'm not telling you, hey, I believe everything he says. I'm just bringing it up because I think it's interesting. He said, there it is, the first reference to the killer in Texas using cannabis. Um, And uh, he gave the source that said um, the grandma recalled he would often talk about how much he uh, despised his mom. And absolutely his grandma, too, Um, because they wouldn't let him smoke weed or do what he wanted. And then if you look at the Florida high school shooter, heavy user of weed. Okay. And then uh, the guy that shot up the Texas church and killed 26 people in 2017 um, certainly had THC in his system when he died. Um, And it goes on one after another. The guy that uh, took the car through Waukesha, self-described stoner. And then he says cities like Portland have suffered an explosion in violence following the legalization of cannabis. Portland had 16 murders in 2013, the year before voters in Oregon approved full legalization. Last year it had 90. It's on pace to have even more this year. It's also happened in Denver. And so as he is saying, obviously the legalization of cannabis is not the only or even the main driver of the new American violence wave broader criminal justice reform and the way Democratic politicians have undercut and discouraged the police are probably even larger factors. But its role is increasingly obvious to anyone who cares to look because it causes psychosis, talking about cannabis, and psychosis causes violence. And then he references his book, Tell Your Children the Truth About Marijuana, Mental Illness, and Violence. And so not, I'm just being honest, not knowing a lot about the topic, and I have not read that book, that take is at least interesting. I've never heard that brought up before. Have you? No. Yeah, I, I remember that coming up uh, actually after Columbine. The question, and it wasn't about the legalization of weed, obviously, because that hadn't happened yet. But um, but the question about what drugs could play a role in somebody snapping one day. Same thing with SSRIs. What very common. Right. Uh, antidepressants that are prescribed yes. to millions of people, um, and in the wrong some to be suicidal, right? And in and in some, yeah, this could cause something else. So I think it's possible that it's a that it's a player or it's at play, but like in Portland, for example, you look at the murder rate and it, the weed thing, if it's a if it's at play, is such a bit player when yeah. you look at the political arc of that city uh that i don't i don't i don't really know how valuable it is to look at it not saying you can't not saying you shouldn't just i don't think that's a contributing factor or the contributing factor my takeaway at least for now is this there are so many factors in all of these there there's not one thing the left always wants to say one thing Mm -hmm. it's guns no 
it, it's it's more than that. Is it the breakdown of family? That's a part of it. It's all the things we mentioned. Mental oh. health. It's social media. It's too much time in front of screens. One thing we talked about years ago was violent video games. Nobody talks about that anymore. Because, and part of it is, I know a ton of stoners that will never kill anybody. I know a ton of people that play Call of Duty that will never kill anybody. You know, I know plenty of people on antidepressants that will never kill anybody. Um, or who have had their family break down and are just fine. And so in your mind, you're like, well, so that's not really it. But it's not one thing. But if you have a ton of contributing factors. Right. And they all come together. Yes. Perfect storm. Yep. Yeah. You could look at, you know, kind of all of them. All right, the Russia hoax story, David. Let's get to that. Yeah, lawyer connected to the Hillary Clinton 2016 campaign got money from the campaign to give false information about Trump and Russia to the FBI. This is in the trial of Michael Sussman. He's on trial for lying to the FBI about the Trump-Russia hoax. Now, according to expense reports, which were just entered into the record in his trial, he billed Hillary Clinton's campaign on the day he went to the FBI to turn over disinformation. Now they say, well, for it. well, we 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 actually uh, expense taxis to mm-hmm. and from the meeting mm-hmm. to the law firm and not to Clinton or any other client. But no, he he charged the Clinton camp three point three hours for work and communications regarding a confidential project on September nineteenth, twenty sixteen, the day he met with the FBI. They they expensed his ride to go give disinformation about a political rival being somehow connected to the Russians to try to steal an election. Well, it would seem then that Hillary should come out with a statement to say, hey, you should. I, I shouldn't have been billed for that. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I just love solving problems. Huh? I don't think that's going to happen. I think no, but, he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do and being paid for it. But That's ju- very interesting. But just remember, the only insurrection that we've seen in the last few years was the QAnon shaman guy. Right. Give me a break. San Francisco schools have dropped dropped chief in job titles. Yeah. Really <laughs> offensive, you say. And Politico has new polling on guns. Very interesting. We'll get to it all coming up right here. Markley, Van Camp, and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Well, there's some new polling out on guns that we can get to in a minute, but uh, Chastin Buttigieg, that would be the husband of Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, a.k.a. the uh, Department of Transportation head. Uh, And he wants to let you know that if you're talking about The idea of a single point of entry in schools, which is done all over the country, by the way. This isn't some new concept. No. But he says you're wrong and irresponsible. Why? Here's what he writes. As someone who ran lockdown drills and worked on the school safety committee, a one-door solution is an irresponsible and egregious recommendation far removed from reality. No one's talking about one door in the entire building, idiot. 
Does he explain his yeah. take? He says a shooter isn't going to stop and sign in at the front office. A door is good at keeping the kids in and rain out. It doesn't stand a chance against a weapon designed to obliterate organs and render tiny bodies unrecognizable in the blink of an eye. If you're focusing on doors right now, you've already given up. You've failed our kids. Let me be clear. This is precisely what they want. They want us to debate the merits of doors, windows, locks, cameras, badges, and armed teachers because they'd hate to be faced with yet another policy issue the majority uh, or they are against the majority of Americans on. That's Hold interesting. Hold on a second. The, the other part that most people are arguing for is having trained armed people in the school, not just teachers. Yeah. Well, and the one-door thing, right, it's not, again, like we talked about yesterday, there are schools all over the country where it's not just a single door, you got to go and sign in at the front desk. Like, you can't get into that building. And the thing is, is it's a, Correct. it's a barrier that slows down somebody if they really want to get through that and try to do some damage. At least that slows them down. You know, this point's been brought up, and I thought it was legit. You had a bunch of unarmed people going to the Capitol January 6th. Think how they fortified that. Right. Afterwards. So it's okay for you to make everybody safe in there, but not the schools. But then you'll get in front of the country and get on your knees and beg people. Yeah. And we'll do anything. Well, no, you won't. You'll give $40 billion to Ukraine, but not enough to fortify the schools. Yeah. It's a joke. You know, it's interesting uh, on this survey that Politico has out today on the issue of equipping teachers and school staff with concealed firearms. That actually get has a net approval of plus 20. I'm not surprised. A majority of Americans think that's probably a good idea. Now, everybody has the caveat with appropriate training, and I agree with that. You know, we've yes. seen definitely over the last couple of years, there are extremely unbalanced people in the teaching profession. But... If you get somebody who goes through uh, police academy-style training, who understands conflict resolution and also the use of a gun in in a situation like that, yes, then, yeah, most Americans are like, what's the problem with that? Totally makes sense. Other breaking news. Ray Liotta has died yeah. in his sleep and filming a movie. He was in the Dominican. I uh, was 67. Ray Liotta dead. Um, wow. I mean, I would guess everyone would say biggest movie, Goodfellas, and then probably what, Field of Dreams? Yeah, easily. Two of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Henry Hill and Charles As Chiefs far back Joe. as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. That Great. I mean, tremendous. Uh, no other details are available. Apparently, he was found in his room. He was on. He was in the Dominican shooting a movie. Wow. I'm reading this piece today. He just finished filming a movie. Yes. Here's, let me just, (laughs) he finished the Elizabeth Banks directed movie called Cocaine Bear, based on a true story of a grizzly bear or a big bear, big brown bear that got into a bag of cocaine and ingested it. Now, I don't know how you make a movie out of that. I don't know what it's about. I have no idea, but they did. And you'd want to see it. I do now. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many great lines, too, from Goodfellas. Oh, that and, he well, delivered. and Feel the Dreams. Well, the one from Goodfellas, I always think, that one where he's talking about Maury. That's when I knew Jimmy was going to whack Maury. That's how it happens. 
That's how fast it takes for a guy to get whacked. <laughs> Boom, just like that. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right. Let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, one thing that we need to understand, were there no armed security guards at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde? And were there cops outside that didn't go in? Because that's what we're learning. Yeah, so we're hearing some of the timeline of events, and the initial statements were not or don't appear to be accurate that were made in the aftermath of the shooting in Uvalde. Um so, you know, initially there was a school resource officer, security that engaged the shooter and then wasn't able to stop the shooter. And then a couple of cops who were chasing him uh, were shot outside the school. They didn't go in, but they were outside and, and they were shot. And then responding police officers or more police officers set up a barricade around the school thinking, okay, we got him pinned in a classroom, but they did not go into that classroom. According to the Associated Press report, at least, um, they were asking school staff for a key to unlock the door. And they were delayed by 40 to 60 minutes. I, You know, I'm struggling to understand that part of it. Again, we don't know all of it. We don't have... They are right now, investigators are piecing together radio traffic to try to put together a more accurate timeline. This stuff does take time to do. It's a chaotic event, so who knows who was telling who what at the moment, but or at the moment this was taking place. But right now, it, it, it does look like, um, or I, I, I get the sense at least, that responding police officers didn't do what they were supposed to be doing. Yeah, you had that piece of audio, too, that was onlookers begging cops to go into the school during the shooting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, man, that's hard to hear. Wow. And you got this Border Patrol agent who actually did storm in and took the shooter out. That's the story right now. He, he I think he's been released from the hospital now Good. after being shot. And did not wait for backup. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the questions being asked. And why were there no armed security there? Another, so, again, I mean. Another getting, update coming up, too, by the way. Maybe we'll get some answers. Man, oh, man. Um, Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick speaking yesterday, David. Yeah, well, Beto O'Rourke, the Democrat running for governor of Texas, decided to make the tragedy in Uvalde all about him by heckling state and local officials during a briefing in the shooting, on the shooting, I should say. Uh, so Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick said this, appearing on Fox News last night, in reaction to Beto doing what he did, that disgusting political stunt. 
Beto O'Rourke was more interested in his political ambitions than he was about these families. And that's what I think was really the tragedy of his behavior. And well planned, by the way. He came in, again, I saw him out of the corner of my eye and uh, was wondering what he was up to. And he, he had a right to be there. He could have had a press conference outside if he wanted. He could have brought this up at some other time in some debate or some issue. But not this day. It, it was just offensive. So I, I just, uh, to, for him to do that today and for us to even spend five minutes talking about him, I just dismiss him. I don't know, to me, what Beto did sort of encapsulates the current Democratic Party, in a way. And if you feel like that's unfair, call me out for it. No, it's not unfair. It's absolutely true. It's it's not having real conversations about how this doesn't happen again. About protecting the kids in the school. It all focuses right on guns. The dividing issue. And there's a reason that this conversation comes up every time after one of these. Well, you mentioned this yesterday. Because you never talk about specifics. We're talking about this and the do something crowd. Do what? Specifically. And then it's a lot of reporters that will put these pieces out and get themselves on, you know, actual news stations with inaccuracies. Yeah. After all of this time. Okay, and I'm not going to pretend to be a gun expert. You know a whole lot more than I do, David. I understand the basics. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're talking about a lot of people on the CNNs, NBCs, the politicos, that you would think after all this time would know about guns more than anybody because they have to report on it. And they show themselves to be clueless. They never take I mean, absolutely clueless they, time and time again. They never take a moment to actually figure out what it is they're writing about, what they're talking about. Today in Politico, they said the guy had a fully automatic rifle. Well, no, he no, didn't. No, it is not. He did not have a fully automatic rifle. There's also a lot of revisionist history when it comes to the assault weapons ban of 1994. Because, one, that was rolled into this evil 94 crime bill which I was told was racist because you had mm-hmm. mul- uh, it was a, the multi-pronged approach to taking care of crime in this country. So, and it also was fairly limited relatively speaking limited in scope when it came to what ban- what guns were banned. Um and you could still buy some of those guns as long as they were built pre-ban. But there's this idea right now floating around. I've seen major news outlets in the New York Times and Washington Post being two of them claiming that we completely outlawed semi-automatic rifles from 1994 to 2004. That's not true. You also know why that ban was ultimately lifted? Because there was no evidence it actually did anything. Because most mass shootings, sorry to tell you this, are not the school shootings that you see, like in Uvalde. Most mass shootings are actually done in the inner city, and they're done with handguns that were illegally purchased. There is one thing when it happens at a school. It it feels different. All lives are precious. We know that. But there's something about it happening at a school. Oh, sure. And it goes to another level when it's an elementary school. Definitely. Watch people's reaction, and it, it will tell you everything you need to know. Definitely. How many people said, oh, my gosh, I thought it was a high school? Of course, that wouldn't have made it any better. But when you think about small kids, you're like, oh, my gosh. 
That's mm-hmm. the reaction from so many people. But there is a part that you bring up when you're talking about most mass shootings. Okay, and you look about, uh, you know, people that have died from, quote, gun violence. Who is it most of the time? It's people in the inner cities. So I think this is a fair question to ask. As far as legacy media, do the, do those lives not matter as much? They don't. That I mean, that's, that's the They take. answer the question, don't they? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of similar to the thing that... I've heard years ago that's always rung true in my head is, you know, and this was a pastor asking the question about what do you really believe and show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you really believe. Well, show me the stories that you write and I'll show you what you actually believe. And, and you know, when when you see, I don't know if you've paid attention to local media in Chicago, there was a mass shooting there last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was still blood on the sidewalk a couple days after. Kids are walking by it. It's just an unremarkable sight to them. Right. And nobody talks about that. No. And instead, we're focused on what? In these major, in in big Democratic-run cities, you're talking about bail reform. Bail reform has killed more people in the last few years than some nut with an AR. Absolutely. But that doesn't fit a narrative, and that's what it comes back down to. But again, the remarkable thing to me, and, and like you brought up, whether it's Politico, CNN, you read one of their stories about guns, they do not know what they're talking about. They're just not educated on it. After all this time, mm-hmm. it, it's it's really amazing. You know what? We'll get to this coming up, too, because yesterday, with everything going on in Texas, Joe Biden did put out an executive order because it was the anniversary of the death of George Floyd. It's something. And then you want the real stats of what's really going on in the country, because we have those, too. You want to hear that? Um, Talk about, you know, with everything going on in the world, and this is before the shooting. It was, you ask people, and look what they're paying attention to. There's all this serious stuff going on in the world. And one of the things that a lot of people have just been interested in, and maybe... It's just because of the society we're in or a break from, you know, stuff that affects us so deeply is this whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard thing. Oh, jeez. Let's get wound down it. And there was another piece of audio that was making the rounds uh, about Kate Moss, who was Johnny Depp's former girlfriend, that Amber Heard had said, well, he pushed her down the stairs or something to that effect. So then... She was on the witness stand mm-hmm. to say, no, that that never happened. And so then Deb was asked what it's been like listening to Amber Heard's testimony and just the way he delivers it, Johnny Depp. <laughs> it's almost like it is. It's like he's acting through it. You know what I mean? But it, you're also trying to find Is that really just who he is now? Oh, I think so. I and think he's become drug- the characters. Yeah. A little bit? Yeah. The, okay. the cadence. Yeah. Right. Listen. Meticulous, humiliating, ludicrous, painful, savage, unimaginably brutal, cruel, and all false. No human being is perfect, certainly not. None of us. But I have never in my life committed 
sexual battery, physical abuse, all these outlandish, outrageous stories of me committing these things and living with it for six years and waiting to be able to bring the truth out. No matter what happens, I did get here and I did tell the truth and I have spoken mm -hmm. up for what I've been carrying on my back reluctantly for six years. My question right now, <laughs> I'm going to go to both of you guys. David, you first. Yeah. Can you do that voice if we need you for a special segment on the show to deliver some sort of news? I'm going to try to remember the last time I drank whiskey and snorted cocaine at the same time. That's not bad. Scott? I'm trying. Ooh. When I was with Hunter S. Thompson, we did boatloads of blow <laughs> and then shot our guns. I think you need more. I I, I, gotta, I, David's better lower. at impersonating than I am. <laughs> well, you don't have to get yeah, mad about it. It's, uh, yeah, it's a little lower. Yeah, I hear that. A it, little bit when you're getting down into the depths, trying to get there. I want to look like a cross between Joe Perry and Keith Richards. No, it works. And score hotter women. I don't know, man. Okay, we got to get to Biden's go around Congress with police reform and much more coming up right here. Van Camp and Robin Show, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay. Yesterday, the anniversary of the death of George Floyd. Also dealing with the tragedy in Texas. Leave it to Barack Obama to combine the two. Right. Unbelievably. Yeah, don't pay attention to those dead kids. We got to talk about a dead crackhead from two years ago. Yeah, while mourning what happened in Texas, let's not forget George Floyd. And then Biden goes around Congress with... Police reform, an executive order, and blaming Republicans. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Okay, do you understand what's happened since oh, boy. the summer of 2020 with the amount of violence, gun violence, murders in the inner city? Heather McDonald, who's very smart, written books on this. Where is she from? Manhattan Institute? I always forget. She's smart. She appears on Tucker's show occasionally. And was talking about this very topic. And she just lays out the stats. And here they but are. The narrative of this executive order is that we have a police racism and a police violence problem in the country. Uh, Biden takes every opportunity to reinforce that idea. And the results are in and they are unequivocal. Thousands more black lives lost in cities succumbing to predation and anarchy. After the George Floyd riots of 2020, homicides rose 29 percent. That's the largest annual increase in history. And youth homicide rose an astounding 47%. The victims, overwhelmingly black. So as the race hustlers like Joy Reid and others are on TV every night talking about police reform, police reform, more blacks are getting killed. And youth. Two dozen blacks are killed every day in this country. 
That's more than all white and Hispanic homicide victims combined. They're not being killed by the police. They're not being killed by whites. They're being killed by other blacks. The police are not the problem in the black community. Criminals are. I'm sure Joy and others will be saying stats are racist. That'll be next. Oh, yeah. And Heather goes on. Uh, the police shot six allegedly unarmed blacks in 2021. Compare that to the 10,000 blacks who were killed by criminals. In fact, a police officer is 400 times as likely to be killed by a black as an unarmed black is to be killed by a police officer. Think of that. Well, yeah, we, are, need, we need reform. Right. We need more people in yeah. jail. That's the honest truth. I think these are things we've already known. It is, but when you yeah. actually hear, hear the statistics. I, I agree with you. I wow. Yeah. George Floyd's death was sickening, but it wasn't a pattern. It doesn't represent the way most blacks die. And if Biden really cared about black lives, he would call for law and order and stop demonizing the cops. Well, he so. can't do it because he's beholden to the communists who want to burn down this country. That's yep. Right. Oh, there's one other piece, and then I'll be done with Heather. She's brilliant. There's still people who absolutely do not want to confront the problem in the inner city, which is the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of norms, and want to keep demonizing police officers, even though the crime is now spreading across the country. Uh, the carjackings are happening, these absolutely insane drive-by shootings that are mowing down kids. There seems to be an endless appetite uh, for a phony narrative that only produces anarchy and predation. People see it every day. They know. But there are others. I mean, they make a living off of it. It's freaking sick. Mm -hmm. But that's the truth. Yep. Race hustlers that would be out of a job if they started telling the truth. So they're just going to keep lying about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's absolutely terrible. Okay. We're going to get through this. We're going to come, well, somewhat together as a country. It's just going to take some time. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Well, I think I know what the big story of the day is, David. What would you say it is so far? Right now it's about seeing what the timeline was in the police response to the Uvalde shooting. Because there are a whole lot of questions about this. Uh, like, why didn't the responding officers go into the school? Were they trained to not go into the school? What happened here? Um I know I, I'll just speak for myself. I mean, my instinct is to say, what honestly, like, what the hell, guys? You, you choked under pressure. But I also realize that's a gut reaction. We don't know all of the details yet and the timeline. Well, we'll get to that. And an elementary school counselor uh, <laughs> is going to be out of a job for opposing, well, sex changes for kids next. Uh -oh. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Gen Xer. Millennial David Van Camp. Sexy Boomer Scott Robbins. Mm -hmm. Do you have a news update, David? As yeah. we're coming on, I heard you say, holy bleep, what the bleep bleep. So Ken's Five in San Antonio has a uh, update. They 
spoke with a fourth grader who survived the Uvalde shooting and talked about what the gunman was telling students who were there in the room. Um, And in one case, the student says, I guess this would be the Border Patrol agent who stormed in to try to take out the shooter, which he ultimately did. Mm -hmm. So he says he and like four other students were hiding under a table that had a tablecloth on it that shielded them from the view of the shooter. So that very likely saved their lives. But the officer who went into the school said, yell if you need help. And one student did yell for help and was shot and killed. And after that student was shot and killed, that's when apparently the officer was able to get in and return fire and shoot and kill the shooter. So, I mean, you hear these details trickling out, and it's easy to Monday morning quarterback when you're not in that situation, right? Mm -hmm. But it still doesn't make sense to me that you would ask for kids to give up their position. So he said, yell if you need help. Yeah. And again, I also want to couch it in these terms. You're talking to a traumatized fourth grader. Right. So we don't know how reliable that is. Again, we're waiting to hear more solid details about what went on. But what we're hearing right now about some of the police response in general is somewhat disturbing. Was he talking to these kids? The shooter? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing confirmed. I've heard different things, and it's awful. Yeah. And again, so if this is, if this part, you know, turns out to be accurate, and it's the border control agent that said, hey, let me know if you need help. Again, don't quite know about that. There is a report that he would have gone right by the cops that had been there. What, upwards of 40 to 60 minutes? Yeah. That did not go in. And we still don't understand why. Because we don't know. I mean, I can't think of a good reason why not, but maybe there is. I don't know. Yeah. Right, exactly. And it looked like a lot of the initial statements that were made were meant to muddy the waters a little bit because and I'm just saying this having gone through some of these drills with police officers before never has it been wait outside while the guy is in there. I mean, it's, it's somebody's going in to clear the building Mm -hmm. and let other people set up the perimeter. But when you have a group of officers who are outside and just kind of sitting there and I know, I know that, Two officers were shot outside the building. So maybe that has something to do with it. They don't know what the whole situation is, so they're waiting to assess from outside. But then you're hearing, well, he's holed up in this room. We have him pinned in this room. We're going to make sure he doesn't get out. Again, still a disturbing picture. Maybe there's something that can make sense of it. But right now it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. No, it does not. And again, this is one of those things where I'm just trying to be careful what I say because I'm certainly not an expert in this and don't pretend to be. So you're coming at it with as much common sense as you would have in something like this, right? Mm-hmm. 
it was odd the day it happened when you heard about the border control officer that went in without backup yeah and how heroic that was you're like wow and you're like why why was it up to him why weren't why weren't the cops going in like it didn't make sense yeah or if he went in without backup why weren't they in there to back him up and so now you're wondering was there a conversation that happened like what do you mean you're not going in i'm going to go in and i don't know that but i'm trying to make sense of it you get what i mean sure like it so the border control agent would have to come up on that scene with cops already there. And my guess is he's not just going to go in without talking to the cops first. Would he? Yeah, the way it, the way it plays well, out based on the information that I have is that this guy kind of said, screw it, I'm going exactly. in. Okay. Yeah, where he just he couldn't stand by and just let it happen anymore. But again, we don't know. All right. Well, thanks for the update again. Just waiting for more. At yeah, one o'clock on uh, press conference, I guess. So, okay. Um, you know, stupid Beto O'Rourke. <sighs> what he did yesterday, crashing the press conference, and it was set up ahead of time. Yeah. They even had a report on CBS of, you know, a reporter that saw what happened. He had people go in and save seats for him. Yeah. Well, yeah, you had to be in the front row, right? You got to be there to make a show of it because that's the only thing he knows how to do is make everything about himself. Yeah, or maybe it was a couple of rows back, so at first they wouldn't know that he was even in there. Dan Patrick said he saw him out of the corner of his eye. Yeah. Right. And wondered, like, what is this guy doing here? Yeah, but... And then the whole thing happened. Seat saved. Is this the report from CBS? Well, I did see what happened just before the press conference started. I was in the third uh, third aisle, um, third row on the aisle, rather, and there were two people across the aisle from me, and a moment before the press conference started, they got up from their seats when Beto walked in. So they were seat holders for him, and then he sat down. So his presence wasn't really noticed in the 15 or 20 minutes that people were gathering inside because he was not in the room. So this seems something very clearly staged by Beto O'Rourke and his campaign wanting to confront the governor at this moment. Sickening. What a chode. Yep. No doubt, man. Okay. So on that topic, it was the mayor of the town that called him an SOB. Yeah. I think became a hero, honestly, to a lot of people. And then he spoke more about that later? Well, no, a, a different dude in attendance, Cody Etuarte, oh. confronted him saying, hey, this is pure propaganda. His niece was shot. His niece survived. Oh, golly, man. Uh, okay. And the Huffington Post actually talked to him afterward, and here's what he had to say. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a time and place to address certain things like that, to, to do it in the moment in which... Uh, the tragedy is being addressed just so recently to come in and, and act in that way is, is pure propaganda. People see through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good. Okay. Uh, there's so many awful takes out there. This has got to be somewhere in the top three. Am I to understand this right? There's someone at Boston University, a professor there, that's saying black people have no choice but to riot and loot? Yeah. Yeah, so Boston University put out a two-year or a, a video for the two-year anniversary of George Floyd being killed by a cop, and of course we know one of the big legacies of the reaction to his murder was months of rioting. 
Uh, one of the people featured was an African-American studies associate professor who says that telling black people to not riot and loot is actually offensive and racist. Oh, okay. Well, when you say that to black people who historically have been property, one of our greatest weapons against injustice was the looting of ourselves as property from the system of slavery. And what we see in communities is they're reacting to... Hold on. Looting ourselves? Yeah. The hell? You're got, closer to college age, David, and you went through university. Help, Scott and I, please. She got really turned around in the talking points there because I think what she was what she was trying to get across was that slavery was looting of black people and their bodies. But you it kind of I'm yeah. experiencing right now, you mansplaining, and I'll have none of it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not an associate professor. <laughs> uh, no. no. What a bunch of freaking nonsense. All right, go ahead. The very racism of what we call property, right? So that's why right. I think it's very important for, you know, people who see reactions in communities to not judge and to not make assumptions about what is good and not good no. reactions. No, we can't. And not no, we can't. actually re-victimize communities no, by no, no, saying no, no, there's no. an acceptable no. and a not acceptable way to no, react. No, we have acceptable ways. It's called the law, okay? And enough white guilt. Done. We yeah. have laws in the country. I'm pretty you gotta sure. you got to obey the law. Okay? Pretty sure I that can judge. Crap, yep. No, I'm not going to do the work. No, I'm not going to listen to any more of the nonsense. We have laws. There are people across the country that love white people and black people and Hispanic people and people of all colors. Okay? But we have laws. Right? So there are enough white people that are weak, that won't stand up, that will go along with your BS, but the rest of us need to stand up now and say no more. Well, You're full of crap. Done. At, at the risk of further mansplaining here, I wonder what her response would be to that woman. Now, this, this pops into my head every time I hear anybody come close to defending the chaos that happened in 2020. Are you going to bring out that lady in Philly? West Philadelphia. Golly. Black woman. Yep. What a black woman. Is she racist for having this take after she watched her neighborhood get burned to the ground? We're watching what we put together fall apart in a matter of minutes. We need some security on this land now, not tomorrow, not later. But I need you to get somebody down here to protect it so they won't go back in it. No. The academia blacks that have that sort of attitude, like this professor... Dude, they need to find a real job. That's a joke. And there are enough people that are being duped by this nonsense. We've got to say no more. Just move on from that. It's like, we'll move on to Milwaukee. Elementary school counselor there. I don't know if you heard the story. It's under investigation by the state for, quote, immoral conduct. Why? Speaking out against sex change surgery for children. Huh. Saw it at Daily Wire. That, that sounds like standing up for common sense and reason. Absolutely. And we need more people to do it. Marissa Darling received a letter from the Wisconsin Department of Public Instruction a few weeks back, warning her her state-issued license could be revoked if the investigation does, in fact, find that she engaged in immoral conduct. Immoral? What would that be? Well, that would be... Mm. <clears throat> Her using profanity at the feminist rally in opposition to same or uh, sex sur change surgery for children. 
In the letter, it says, according to a report and video submitted by a community member, you participated in an event in Madison in which you identify yourself as an elementary school counselor. You are on video saying bleep transgenderism. That's the F word. Mm -hmm. You state you do not believe in children should have access to hormones or surgery. They shouldn't. So they shouldn't. Absolutely. Common sense. Marissa acknowledged. Yep. I was there. I was one of several speakers. Said, I oppose gender ideology over entering the walls of my school building. She said, over my dead body will my students be exposed to the heart of gender identity ideology. Not a single one of my students under my watch will ever, ever transition socially and sure as hell not medically. So the heads in Wisconsin said her investigation will determine if there is probable cause to support allegations of immoral conduct and said, we're giving you the option right now to resign ahead of this investigation. Mm, no. She said, no, nope, no, thanks. We're going to fight this. That's yeah. right. Bring it out. Yeah, make, make that the, the hill to die on, right? That yep. you're, you, you, want, you, you think it's immoral and unloving to tell kids that they shouldn't be castrated. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Those sick people need to be put in their place. They're pushing that crap. Well, the <sighs> Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty vowed to sue on behalf of Marissa if the state tries to suspend or revoke her license. Uh, the head of that group said the state is quite simply trying to punish a public school counselor for her views on gender ideology. This is a classic clear-cut violation of the First Amendment, and the state can expect a federal lawsuit if it proceeds. Good. This... No more. I just come in pretty much every day Yeah. and ask myself, where am I? What planet did I just get dropped into? I usually answer as Axl Rose and say, You in the jungle, baby! I know. I Wake know. up! <laughs> Time to die. <laughs> We're going to fight back. We're going to be all right. Dang. Okay. Another news update straight ahead. Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. As a nation, we have to ask, when in God's name are we going to stand up to the gun lobby? That's it, When huh? in God's name okay. we do what we all know in our gut needs to be done. What is that exactly? Yeah. What's your what is it? Well, there's no specifics here. No. They say ban assault weapons. What do you mean by that? Honestly, yeah. what do you mean by that? That's the point I try to bring up. I. What do you mean? Are you saying all guns? Well, no, I, I'm all for the Second Amendment. Then what exactly are we talking about? Is it long guns? This guy could have done the same thing with a pistol. In Texas. Yeah. So what are we talking about? But again, it's not about a real conversation or real solutions. It's the same talking points as you brought up yesterday, David. In the midst of a tragedy, that part of it is boring. It's the same crap yeah. over and over. The same actors. Oh, my gosh. Did you have the story about a uh, school in Texas, South Texas, 
had to cancel classes. Oh, there's this is kind of going on, and this is one of the other parts yep. about, about these uh, the spree killings is the media coverage around it. Uh, I think that's one of those things that again the conversation never really gets had there. But I have it on my list. I'll show you right here. See it? Yeah. That is. It, with yeah. all these different things, you're talking mental well, health and the breakdown of the family and all this right, other stuff. Yeah. What about the media attention well, that you, they give to these people? You've got Richardson police arresting a Berkner High School. That's in Dallas-Fort Worth, if you're not familiar with the area. Uh, Berkner High School student, after a real gun and a replica rifle were found in his car that was parked in a lot near campus. Same thing happened uh, in Donna, Texas. Guy was making threats. Again, somebody saw something and said something and averted potential tragedy. Man, oh, man. And San Francisco schools dropped the word chief in job titles. That's going to make that city better. Yeah. Oh, boy. How about captain? (laughs) This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends, yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. I know it's another record day for gas prices, but the energy secretary, you know, Granholm, he said, you know, this is an exclamation point that the United States must accelerate toward green energy. No. Maybe some green vehicles. It's an exclamation point that you need to do something to fix the problem now. Drill. Some more on that with the economy in a few. Um, some updates going on in Texas, David. Tragedy in Uvalde. And one of the big things being talked about today is when did cops get there and why didn't they go in before they did? Yeah. Or did they ever? Was it only the dude from Border Control that went in? Well, uh, so a, a sibling, I believe, of, of one of the police officers who was responding there says that there were cops in the building, but they were on the other side of the door because they didn't have a good angle on them and they didn't want to just burst in. So then it was the border security officer that yeah. burst in. Yes. Got it. But still a lot of questions about why you would just kind of stand on the other side of that door. Again, I mean, my gut reaction is, what the hell, guys? That That's literally your job. But then again, we're getting bits and pieces and dribs and drabs of information. Yeah, so you, you don't, don't have yet. the full picture. Well, we know from the president what he has said. Yeah. And I don't think that we should be surprised, but talking now about a leader at the Bureau of, well, he called it something different. What? Didn't he call it Alcabal? Yeah, Alcabal. I think. The Bureau of Alcabal. Yeah, Alcabal. The whole statement goes like this. Federal agency that measures and ensures that gun laws are enforced and the Second Amendment is advised by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Explosives, AFT, has not had a Senate confirmation leader for seven years. He said AFT or ATF? He said AFT. 
That's what I thought. That's the American Federation of Teachers. That's what I thought. Yeah. He, he's well, mixed that's usually up where he gets his marching orders. Yeah. Oh, God. What a disaster. It's our leader. Oh, my no gosh. Mean, no mean tweets, though. Holy smokes. Alcabal. Yes. Again, man, to me, that was, well, adult league softball. Well, that was my air name in the 80s, too. Alcabal? Alcabal with 10 hits in a row. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay, so he nominated a nut <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. for the position Yeah, that I think there wasn't even a vote. It's like, okay, I don't have any chance to no. see you later. He got, he, yeah, because there were there was bipartisan condemnation of right. this guy. What was his name? Chipman. Like, no, this guy ain't going to work. Did he check off a box? Why did he nominate him? See, I, well, because he's a gun nut. On the other uh, side, I mean, he's he's yeah. an anti-gun activist. There was another guy who was under consideration, but the left shot him down. No pun intended. I'll use a different turn of phrase. The left said no to him uh, because <gasps> he was at gun shows. Like, wow, the guy who would be in charge of regulating firearms went to a gun show? Whoa, what's next? The head of GM goes to a car show? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness. Um, and people are still talking about the Barack Obama tweet from yesterday. Golly. That's just well, really yeah. unbelievable. It is. Um, I can read it. You can read it, David, whatever you prefer. Well, Barack Obama said, hey, I know we're all talking about Uvalde, but uh, you know what we're going to do? We're going to remind you that two years ago, George Floyd was killed by a cop. He said, as we grieve the children of Uvalde today... We should take time to recognize that two years have passed since the murder of George Floyd under the knee of a police officer. Nope. Sorry. Nobody wanted to see George Floyd die, but uh, when you have 19 slaughtered children and two dead adults in a school shooting, nobody cares about a dead crackhead from two years ago. That's the thing, man. His whole history and the pointed gun toward the pregnant woman's belly after... They barged into her house to rob her. That was part of his past. I mean, it's like this sainthood thing. No one wanted to see him die, but it's pretty despicable. Statues, everything else. I mean, we've worn out the clip on the show of Pelosi saying, thank you, George Floyd, for dying. Right. For your sacrifice. Unbelievable. Can't you just shut up? I, You know, going into this week, I thought... A lot of the story would be the World Economic Forum. Of course, you never see when a tragedy is going to happen like what we saw in Uvalde. But I don't know if you heard this story. I saw it at Daily Wire. It was the International Monetary Fund Managing Director um, calls for America to increase food exports because of the dire global food shortages. Mm -hmm. What's your first gut reaction to that? Let's feed ourselves first. Yeah, American first. Okay, so when you say that then, to play this out for a second, I think reactions from, say, the left would be what, if you had to guess? Well, you don't want people in Africa to starve to death. Do you? Or do you? Right. Well, I mean, you look... Something like that. You look all over the world, man, wherever there are major food exporters because of 
specifically what's going on with, with Ukraine and Russia, I mean, people are becoming more insular, and I understand it. You know, Pakistan, India, they're talking about reducing exports because they got to try to take care of themselves first. They should, and we should do the same. I don't understand what the big issue is with that. Is it too simple to talk about one's own house? Like you have to take care of the people in your house, your loved ones first, before you can take more people into the house? Or it's irresponsible to the people you're supposed to care for if you take on more that you can't afford to take care of? I don't understand why that's hard for people. I just don't get it. But, you know, you're hearing, I just saw it today. We could be looking at different food shortage problems within the next couple of months. I mean, some things it's hard to find already. And, of course, we've talked about baby formula. I mean, I just wake up and go, this is America. This is some third world country now. Food shortages, no baby formula. Yeah, that we have to wait for shipments from other countries yes. to get the baby formula. Yeah. Gas 50% more than it was six months ago. I mean... What the hell's going on? It's true. Maybe it would be in our our strategic interest to make sure we're upping the food exports because we need imports. We're relying on foreign aid to feed our infants. Exactly. We're relying on foreign aid to feed our our babies. Yes. Nothing to see here. Everything's swell. Okay. Golly, man. I know it's it's just, that part is just crazy to me. I know. Well, it, and then we have is. people flooding through the southern border. And we're always told, as far as, especially when you're talking about inner cities, we don't have enough resources for people. Right? Yeah, no. We but don't. We got $40 billion going to Ukraine. But we can't take care of the people here. And let me say, with food shortages, with baby formula shortages, let me repeat the mantra. That's not who we are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Obama line. Yeah. That's one of the classics. I remember somebody put together a whole montage of that. If that's not who we are. Oh, yeah. I think it goes like a minute long because he was. No, that's not who we are. Yeah. I mean, that was we have the... some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out. <laughs> that's the different clip. <laughs> that's not who we are. That was it. After Trump said the bad hombres line, then it was Obama. That's not who we are. And then somebody put together the super cut. Must leave these methods where they belong, in the past. They are not who we are, and they are not American. But as Americans, yeah, we got that's not who we are. That's not who we are. That's not what we're about. <laughs> no, that's not who we are. 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 Because that's not who we are. 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 That's, that was it. That's the one. Yep. All good where, stuff. Where he gets preacherish. Yep. That's not who we are. No. Begging foreign countries to send us no. food to feed children. <laughs> well, maybe he just knows a guy named Who We Are. <laughs> that could be. <laughs> and someone keeps telling him that Who We Are is over there, and he's like, "That's not Who We Are." Okay. <laughs> Gosh dang it! I thought lighter, about that. <laughs> on a lighter note, um, I want to see if you believe this or not. And I might even have to push back a little bit. There was a recent HR quiz, all right, human resources, claiming that workers would rather get a ping pong table at work than a raise. 
No. Do you, be- do you believe it to be true? No. I didn't think so either. But I wanted to read a little bit about it. See, uh, okay, what are we talking about here? How is this asked? The question asked, which of these could prevent people from quitting? Would it be a ping pong table, more responsibility, or raises? And apparently the person who took the quiz picked raises, but they said they were wrong. Ping pong table was the correct answer when you actually ask people. So in other words, they say, hey, what would get you to stay? And if you put in, like, ping pong table, they're saying, you just want the work environment to be a little more fun, a little more camaraderie. That would keep me around because a lot of people would say, hey, that person didn't leave the job because of the money. Like, they left because of the atmosphere or they left because of a certain boss, right? But if the whole work environment was better, they would have stayed. That's sort of the point. I get play it out that way. I can understand that. But if you get a rage, you can buy your own ping pong table. But you're still not getting the camaraderie. Not everybody can play ping pong. I remember a few years ago, there was this this boss had this idea that we were going to have a fun committee in the office. Yes, and they were going. They were going to have a commitment towards mandatory fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they 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 bought a popcorn machine, and and the boss said, <laughs> "What was the exact quote? It was something like." The purchase of this popcorn machine shows that we have a commitment to fun. Yes. And then there were roaches in the popcorn machine. It got used for like two months. And then it got disgusting because no one cleaned it. But I do remember after it was cleaned and then popcorn was made again one day in desperation and hunger, David, you actually were partaking in the popcorn eating. I did. Well, I grew up poor, so I'm used to eating roach feces. (laughs) Plus the fact that you were way low in protein. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know what? Robbins and I worked at a place. This You took way long ago. You would have still been in high school. We had a foosball table. We did. It was freaking awesome. We had a a pinball machine. I know. I think for a while, a keg. Then we could smoke. Wow. Okay. Oh, the good old days get here. Yeah. Okay. News update straight ahead and not too far the Scott Robbins trifecta coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. We talk about how about a conversation, how... Can we have this not happen again? What happened in Uvalde, Texas? This was an interesting take. And this, to me, is like a conversation that you're looking for any sort of angle to talk about why we are where we are right now in society. This guy's name is Kelly McCann, former Marine. He's in the executive protection industry. He's worked in the United States and other countries about keeping buildings safe. He's on Tucker's show last night. And so when answering the question of what can we do, well, it's tough. If someone is intent on hurting someone, um, they're going to find a way to do it, right? And some yeah. ways are more convenient and some ways are more concealable and some ways might be a little bit easier to pull off. But at the end of the day, if someone's intent on that, uh, they're going to find a way. The real problem here is why are we producing so many people in recent years that seem to want to do this? 
Um, yes. if, if you look at the historical climb, right, I mean, it just seems that these incidents, and they're anomalies, they still remain anomalies, um, are happening with more frequency. So it's not really a gun issue or an access issue or a, maybe even a psychological issue. Is it a societal issue? It's an interesting question because mm -hmm. when you look at households with gun ownership, it's been about the same for, what, 50 years? Yeah. Well, th this type of spree shooting, spectacle shooting, however you want to call it, is still, as far as how often it happens, is a very recent event. Like, you're talking 20 years and change. Really, since Columbine, right? Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. was, there was one in 1989, and I think in 1993 that, that precipitated the push for a assault weapons ban. But, mm -hmm. yeah, when you look at the vast majority of these types of, of killings, it is a fairly new event. But he goes on, too. You know, because we, we're, we live in a politically correct society where everyone's supposed to be tolerant and everyone is supposed to be, you know, exceptionally considerate. And no one wants to speak the hard truth. The hard truth is 67,000 public elementary schools across the nation. $2.5 billion to assign a resource officer to each one of them, generally speaking. And in, in a lot of cases, in fact, this shooter was confronted by two school district employed police officers. They didn't get into a firearms engagement. So that may be not an answer, okay? Um, you know, usually in a physical security situation, it's a human breakdown, right? So the back door, there's a question. How did he get in the back door? Was it left open because someone went out to vape or smoke? Was it left open after recess? Um, look, these protocols make people complacent because in the vast majority of schools across the country, there will never be a school shooting. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say basically that you'll think about it for a while, but this will fade into memory. And then a lot of schools won't take different steps that you, they could because of the cost. But then we sit here like we are this week saying 40 billion to Ukraine, but we can't make the schools safe. Hmm. And everybody wants just the one solution. They think it's guns. It's not. Well, it's like some sort of gun laws or they'll say common sense. And if you ever go down <laughs> that you know, road with the conversation, you know that's not the answer. There's a sense that it was a smaller town and probably they felt safer. Could be. You know? Could I don't be. know. I'm just, just speculation on my part, too. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, real quick on a much lighter note. Especially for you, Scott, if you're ever going to post on social media like a dating site, don't do your shirtless picture because a woman will think you have an STD. Damn. No wonder that didn't get any response. I thought it was because I can't even look at myself without a shirt on and not be grossed out. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Okay, David, we know pretty much the big story. And is there more coming out as far as details? Yeah. Of what happened and where there were failings? Yeah. If any? I, the the police department in Uvalde is not looking great right now in their response. Again, it's one of those things that I, I keep oscillating between wanting to completely flip out on them. Like, what in the world? How do you not go in there? And then tempering that with the realization that we don't know all of the facts. We don't know right. what they were facing. We don't know what they were thinking yet. So hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about that. Scott Robbins, top three stories of the day. The trifecta, you all ready? How's it doing? Big dog. All right. Got that in the news update. Straight ahead right here.
Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Jen Axon, David Van Camp. He's the millennial and the sexy boomer, Scott Robbins. Yeah. His top three stories of the day, the trifecta, in just a few. News update, David Van Camp. Right now, Texas Rangers are giving an update on the Valdi shooting going through the timeline. Uh, the person speaking at the podium right now says that uh, they don't have a lot of new information right now. Of course, a lot of people questioning why cops didn't go in to the room where they knew yeah. the guy was. Uh, why'd they wait 40 minutes to an hour uh, to go in and engage the shooter? That's an obvious question right now that a lot of people have. And if he addresses this, I'll let you know. I got an ear on this press conference right now. Okay. Meanwhile, in Washington, of course, Democrats are trying to make hay out of this. And Democratic Representative Ed Markey, not Markley, by the way. No. Markey. He is uh, like the Dr. Thunder version of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I mean, he's a far left loon. That's good. Kind of a knockoff version. Kind of sounds like him a little bit. Cheaper, cheaper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. the Harkeem Olajuwon. Right. <laughs> the Air Gordons. Yes, that guy. <laughs> yeah, of yeah. Bernie Sanders. Right. Uh, you know what we need to do now? According to this guy, uh, we got to pack the court, pack oh, the Supreme Court, go. add justices to oh, it, so we can get our way, man. Okay. We have to take very seriously the threat which an illegitimate, far-right Supreme Court poses to gun safety in our country. What does he mean by illegitimate? Oh, that's the talking point that they throw out there, that because mm -hmm. Donald Trump was president, they're illegitimate, or because uh, Merrick Garland didn't get on the Supreme Court. The thing is, okay. Republicans followed the rules. Okay, anyway, go ahead, Ed. We have to expand the Supreme Court to get back the two stolen seats that the Republicans and Donald Trump what? took from the American people so that we can ensure that when we put gun safety laws on the books, they are not overridden. Stolen? Uh. Stolen? Isn't that an assault on democracy? I think so. Oh, I That's the so. big lie. That's a big lie. Yeah. They weren't stolen. I mean, if you, people are despicable, man. I mean, really, if you wanted to try to say that something was illegitimate, it's not. I think you're completely wrong. But theoretically, it would be one seat out of three, not right. two. Right. It would have been the one that Merrick Garland would have assumed if. Barack Obama had gotten his way on his way out the door. And McConnell stopped it. Yeah. God. So, yes. two are completely legitimate. Ah. Well, think All about three the job are that Garland's done as attorney general. Right. Thank goodness he's not on the Supreme Court. Right. I mean, to be clear, all three are very legitimate, okay. definitely Supreme Court justices. But absolutely under that logic. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Thank you for the update. Uh, Robbins, are you ready for your big yeah, three? Yeah, let's roll, man. Let's All go. right, let's do it. Bust it out here. Are you ready? It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. 
Scott Robbins, top three stories of the day. The trifecta. And always helped by his hero in life and top 40 hero. I'm Casey Kasem. Yes. Buddy. Scott. What? I'm ready. Okay. Three. The Miami Heat, as a team, apparently, has weighed in on gun control. Well, yeah, they have because, you know, the NBA can't. They stick their nose into everything political now. And the Miami Heat are no exception to that. So, you know, they're in the playoffs right now, Jamie. You know that, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did. Is the series still going on? I guess. They played in Boston last night. I don't know. I didn't watch it all. Okay. So I have no idea. They were tied to two games apiece. So, yes, they are still in it. But Got it. The Miami Heat basketball team made an announcement talking about the Heat organization, and they teamed up with the Celtics, the NBA family, mourning the loss of life in the sen- senseless shooting that took place at Robb Elementary School. That was according to the stadium announcer. He went on to say the Miami Heat basketball team is urging you, the fans, to call your senators and make change at the ballot box to pass gun control laws right before the game started. Okay. Yep. Um, The NBA, my friends. Maybe they should have been concentrating more on the game last night because apparently they got beat by the Celtics 93-80 and now trail that series 3-2. Yeah. Uh, Do any of the guys on the team... Uh, legally own firearms for protection. You know, I thought the same thing. I thought, well, that's a good question because I would imagine some do. Well, I mean, if you're going to make a statement like that, that seems like a fair question. Yeah. So what are we talking about? I'm sure they got into specifics about exactly what they're calling for. Right? Change at the ballot box. Oh, really? Yes. So just platitudes. Just no specifics. Yes, of course. It always lacks specifics, right? Okay. I'm trying to understand this. So was it just the Heat as a team, like as in an organization? Or are you talking about all of the NBA? Or did they make this statement with the Celtics? I'm, they, I don't understand. Well, the, the initial statement was they mourned the loss of life with the Boston Celtics. Then it went on that the Miami Heat, by themselves basketball team, urging their fans to call their senators and make the change at the ballot box. Yeah, that was over the PA, yeah. Right. To pass con- uh, gun control laws before the game started. You don't understand why you've lost audience in the past and are just rebuilding it now. You don't understand that? That's that's interesting because I thought the same thing. I thought, are they really wading into these waters again? And by the way, how dumb do you think your audience is? They can't think for themselves? No. They can't decide whether or not to call a congressperson. So if you urge them, then maybe you'll get what you want out of this. I don't understand the whole thing. Well, I don't either. People are paying a lot of money to go to a playoff game. Those tickets ain't cheap. Dude, and why do we watch this stuff? I mean, why? away from it. Yes. I'm the customer. I don't come here to be lectured about politics. Jimmy Buckets. You can will a team to victory. I've seen him do it. That's all good. Yeah. I don't care what you think about anything politically. Sorry, dude. I, and I, I don't, don't care. No. <laughs> How do you not get that? I mean, give your opinion if someone asks for it, I guess. Yeah, you, you know, ask the question. Okay, Answer fine. the question. But here we but go. To say, hey, all you fans, you call these people, you get them on the horn, you tell them. Oh, okay. All right. All right, whatever. It's the Scott Robbins trifecta, top three stories of the day. We're getting closer and closer to number one. Yes, we are. Two. A uh, new poll shows Biden's talking points are just not working. 
Yeah, the Reuters Ipsos poll shows Joe Biden's approval now dropping to 36% among all Americans. Here's the big one, though, 28% among independents. Mm. 28%. Brutal. They see through this. So this is a brand new low, 36% approval. Are we building back better yet, David? Because I don't think we are. No. Okay. All right. Mm. Come on, man. And apparently people aren't buying into the Putin's fault thing or the mega, or the, what do you call it? The mega or ultra? Ultra mega. Ultra yeah. mega. That's it. Okay. I thought mega mega. Throw everything against the wall okay. and see yeah. what sticks. Ultra mega. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, with the Buffalo shooter, it was white supremacy. It's Tucker Carlson's fault. And now it's the gun lobby. Right. Okay. You know, did you, did you hear, by the way, Tucker, talk about the gun lobby last night and how far down on the totem pole they actually are in terms of money? Oh, dude. I mean, it, it's like it's David's yeah. talked about this. Drop in the bucket, right? Yeah. If you, if you compare that to labor unions and big tech and big tech and well, drug oil companies, the, the, the drug companies, right. yeah. I mean, yeah, the gun lobby. Again, I mean, like when you're talking about the gun lobby, a lot of times you're talking about the NRA. The NRA right. is, is basically at the weakest point it's been in a long time. Yep, sure is. Well, yeah, and <laughs> I saw a stat where the NRA influence has waned, mm-hmm. but not support for the Second Amendment. No, that's actually that's increased. Yeah, generally gone up because more people are are gun owners. When they say the gun lobby right now, I don't mean this to be trite or try to be cute about anything, but when they say the gun lobby, whether they know it or not, they're actually talking about voters. They're actually talking about citizens of this country. Because they saw that the police could not protect them over yeah. the last couple of years. That's right. why the increase in gun sales went through the roof. It, you did it. Good. Yes. The Scott Robbins trifecta. Top three stories of the day. And finally, yes. one. Uh, number one. Uh, Time Magazine had a correction on that furry Beto O'Rourke, and it's and it's hilarious, and yeah. because it unintentionally dunks on Beto and and yeah, Beto's the an correction idiot, does. so it's it's fun. This correction from Time Magazine may well be the meanest and funniest thing that you're going to hear all day. It was about Beto O'Rourke, okay. uh, and they they issued the correction from Time correction. Beto O'Rourke confronts Texas Governor Abbott about gun control during Uvalde press conference. The original version of this tweet misspelled Beto O'Rourke's name. It's Beto, not Beta. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's so good. Oh, that's so good. I think you got it right the first time, guys. Oh, my goodness. I think the Beta is just fine. Yeah. And there you have it, the Beta boy. Yep. Yeah, he really embarrassed himself yesterday. Scott Robbins trifecta. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Got another news update to get to. And, of course, Nimrod's in the news on the way. It's really been an honor for me. I'll see you, buddy. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. A couple of news updates. This is heart-wrenching. Okay, you heard about two of the teachers that died in that shooting. Mm-hmm. Baldy, right? 
One was Irma Garcia. And she was trying to protect the kids when she got shot and killed. Uh, her husband, Joe, has just now died of a heart attack caused by grief. Oh, my God. They were high school sweethearts, married 24 years, leaving behind four kids. Oh, my goodness. And you have an update on the timeline, David? Yeah. So Texas Department of Public Safety is giving an update. And a lot of questions still about this, but uh, the shooter was not confronted by police or a school resource officer outside of the school. Okay. Because that had been talked about. Uh, Instead, he got in through an unlocked side door. He goes into the hallways. He starts shooting. He starts trying to find a classroom. Goes into that classroom. Four minutes after he entered the school, the cops showed up, and they did go into the school. But they took fire, and so they pulled back and took cover after being shot and shot at. Okay. And at that point, they start calling in for snipers and negotiators. They're thinking, okay, this guy's just dug in here. We're going to treat this like a hostage situation. And meanwhile, some resources are being dedicated towards evacuating the school because they they think they know there's one attacker. This is where he is. So so we're going to try to coax him out, I guess. And then an hour later, uh, Border Patrol team and deputies go in and kill the shooter. So the way he tells it, the way the, the spokesman was just explaining it, it wasn't a rogue Border Patrol agent who just burst in there. It was the an actual unit from the Border Patrol that was going in there along with uh, sheriff's deputies from the county. So they were working together. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once, just so I understand what you're saying, once the cops go into the school... They take gunfire from the gunman. Yeah. And they have to take cover. And then that's when the gunman locks himself into a classroom. Yeah. Okay. And so they're afraid of rushing in, uh, busting that door down because they think he's going to shoot the kids? Or did they think kids were in there? Did they know kids were in there? I would as well. I, that that I don't know. I can't. I can't speak to that. But you would assume if you're evacuating other kids, you would assume that there were kids in the classroom. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And it's still again. I, I don't know how they were trained or, or anything like that. But just based on my limited experience, a couple times doing it with the police departments, that's not usually what they're taught to do. They are taught to, to say, okay, go and find the gunman. It's not a hostage situation. Yeah, obviously, Don't get them. experts in that field are going to be commenting on yeah. this of was that the right thing to do or oh, yeah. not? Because it's easy for us to have the hot takes, but we've never been in the situation or trained in it. Totally. I don't know. I mean, you have your gut reaction, but you don't know. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And according to the Wall Street Journal, a mother in Uvalde was placed in handcuffs by federal marshals because she was trying to go get her kid. Another guy was tased for trying to get his kid off a bus, all while this guy was alive inside killing kids. 
Well, I mean, if if you're a parent and you think your kid's in there and a gunman, I mean, you're going to do everything possible to go in there. Yep. You're definitely going to put yourself Particularly when I don't see anyone else doing it. Wow. All right, man. Appreciate the update. All right. Still got Nimrod's roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Dan. It's Nimrod's in the news on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins show. I love the poorly educated. All right. We'll go to China for Nimrod's in the news. University in Shanghai. Now, that thing's been locked down for a while. So it moved its mandatory swimming test online. Because everything's locked down? Yeah. So students sent in videos of themselves pretending to swim in their rooms. Just like, here's what my moves would look like. <laughs> Just like making arm motions. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, they're being mocked. And then, uh, Butte, Montana. Yeah. 34-year-old guy, Robel Howard, staying in a Motel 6. Okay. Uh, around noon, an employee saw him walking outside naked. Well, you know. Um, it's cute, not butt. Uh, he didn't want to put his clothes on. They said, you got to or you got to stay in the room. He came out again naked. And then he headbutted an employee. I want to be naked. He was arrested, as no. he should have been, and that's Nimrod's in the news.